0: Merry Christmas and welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm David, one of the pastors here. I'm so pleased to have you worshiping with us on this fourth Sunday of Advent. You're probably not surprised that at this time of year there's a lot of opportunities uh, uh, for involvement and uh, for support, uh, presence and otherwise, uh, that crowd the church calendar. But there are a few things I'd like to let you know about as we prepare to worship uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, in, in the atrium, you'll find flyers about a very special Eagle Scout project by Ford Douglas to uh, register and identify uh, our children. If you'd like to participate, it is on Thursday. Thursday, but the information is available to you in a flyer in the uh, atrium area. Some of you who got here early may have noticed our, our three visitors from the east, our wise men mingling above among us. The wise men were here to remind us that the annual Epiphany dinner by the youth choir is Sunday, January eighth, and tickets are on sale this Sunday and next Sunday and Sunday, January first. Uh, speaking of the next few uh, Sundays. Um, Uh, there will be just one service on Christmas Day at 10.30 and one service on New Year's Day at 10.30 as well here. In the sanctuary, I hope that you saw the article on the Live Nativity in the uh, San Antonio newspaper Uh, yesterday. The Live Nativity begins this evening and runs through Wednesday evening. And you'll find also a list of the many services that are here on the campus on uh, Christmas Eve. They start at 2.30 and the last one is at 11 o'clock at night. Finally, you will find an insert in your bulletin on one side it uh, has the script for the lighting of the fourth candle in our advent wreath, but on the other side has a snapshot for you of the church's current uh, financial situation. We are still in need of your continued uh, generosity. One thing that I've learned about the people of our congregation is that we are indeed generous. But I've also realized that we are so generous that we support a variety of good causes and that's wonderful thing. But as you do so, please uh, don't forget uh, that uh, God in Christ has instituted the church and does count on us to support uh, the work of Christ through that church. And so your generosity there is always appreciated and needed. Now let us turn our hearts and minds toward God together.
1: Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in, my sa- in God my Savior, for he has looked on the favor of the lowliness of his servant. Surely now, from all generations, will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts.
2: In our bulletin is our Congregational Prayer of Confession, our opportunity to come before the Lord and admit those places in our lives where we have not lived as God would have us live. And so let us confess our sins together. Merciful God, always with us, always coming, we confess that we do not know how to prepare for the advent of your Son We have forgotten how to hope in miracles. We have ignored the promise of your kingdom, and we get distracted by all the busyness of this season. Forgive us, O God. In the quiet of our hearts, we ask that you will make us ready for his coming. Amen. Hear these beautiful words from Psalm 36. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you the fountain of life is there, and in your light we see light. In the light of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you.
3: chapter 4 verse 7 John wrote Dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God Please join me in the Advent Please join us in the Advent prayer found on the insert followed by the singing of the Advent candle song
0: Let us pray Lord Jesus Christ Set our hearts on fire with love for you, that we may love you with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves, so that we may glorify you, the giver of all good gifts. Amen.
4: The ushers are coming forward for our morning gifts of offerings and tithes. I invite the children to come forward for children's time this morning with Natalie Jones. And uh, then, as we think about each other and the peace that we pray for at Christmas time, let us give the peace to each other. The peace of Christ be with you, and also with you. Let us stand.
5: morning everyone. This morning we are going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible and this is the story of the things that happened right after Jesus was born in that stable. This is called The Light of the Whole World. That same night in amongst the other stars suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, This one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and it made the other stars look pale compared to it. God put it there when his baby son was born to be like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this very moment and now... He wanted to tell everyone. So he pulled out all the stops. He had sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He had put a special star in the sky to show just where his baby boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little boy. Now, where would you send your most splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe? Or a palace, perhaps? God sent his to a little hillside outside a little town in the middle of the night. And he sent all of those angels to sing for a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside of Bethlehem. In those days... Remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them other rude names. You see, people thought shepherds were unimportant. Nobody's. Just scruffy old riffraff. But God knew that these shepherds were very important indeed because they're the ones he chose to tell the good news to first. So that night, some shepherds were out in the open fields warming themselves by a campfire when suddenly... The sheep darted. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. What was that? A wingbeat? They turned around and standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. Today in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels armed with light, and they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God, to God be fame and honor in all our hoorays. And then as quickly as they appeared, they left. The shepherds stamped out their fire. "...left their sheep, ran down that grassy hill, through the town, through the courtyard, down some steps, through a hedge, until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. They caught their breath, and then quietly they tiptoed inside, they knelt down on the dirt floor... They had heard about this promised child, and now here he was, heaven's son, the maker of all the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be just like that bright star, shining in the sky that night, a light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see. And the darker the night got the brighter the star would shine. Will you all join me for a special prayer? Dear God, we thank you so much for the birth of your son and for the wonderful birthday that we get to celebrate just a week from now. We ask that you would help us to be just like those angels proclaiming the good news To anyone around us, Lord, help us to know that all people are important and you desire for us to be the light for them. It's in your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.
2: As we come to our time of prayer together, I would just share with you that four of our church members have either been in the hospital or are presently there, and we would ask uh, continued prayers of healing for these persons, for Karen Patterson, for Ralph Hales, and for Sarah Bouchard. Philip Abdosh was also in the hospital, but he was doing well and came to church this morning. So we were grateful for the healing that God is bringing to him and to all of these. As we remember them as well as others who are on our hearts, let us kneel or bow and be in a time of prayer together. Most holy God, in awesome wonder we bow before you, for you have come to us in the form of a tiny baby, and for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and the celebration of his coming yet again we bow before you with grateful hearts. We thank you that Jesus came with healing in his wings. We ask that the healing wings of Christ spread over all who are sick, are ill, or are hurting this day in any way to bring healing to their bodies, to their spirits, to their minds, and comfort to their families. And for those who mourn, We ask that the healing wings of comfort and love surround them, that they may know that in you the light shines eternal and the darkness has not overcome it. Comfort all this day who are in need of your special touch. We remember how Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem expecting the birth of their son. And so we pray for all expectant parents this day and the children to be born, that they may know your love and that they may enter this world with joy and in good health. We thank you for the shepherds who heard the message of the angels, and we ask, O God, that you would open our hearts and minds, as you did those shepherds, to receive the good news of Jesus Christ and like them to go and proclaim it to our world, to reach out to the poor and the hungry and the homeless, to those in need, to all who are hurting in any way that we may be the bearers of the good news of your love through Jesus Christ and that we may help bring your shalom upon this earth. We give you thanks for all those who are returning from Iraq and pray safe journey as they are reunited with their families. We thank you for their willingness to serve our country and for those who did not return comfort their families with your peace. Be with those who are still in war in Afghanistan and in places around the world. Send your peace, peace on earth, goodwill toward all. And now open our hearts and minds to receive the Christ child once more, that we may be bearers of Jesus to the world. In his precious name we pray, and we pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
4: As Pastor David mentioned at the beginning of the service, and I mentioned a little while ago, uh, it is now the time for the giving of our gifts and, and offerings as the ushers come forward for that. And also you will find the Ritual of Friendship pads in the pew, and I hope that you will uh, sign them and pass them down for others to know who you are and you to know who they are. Let us join in our congregational prayer. Almighty Mighty One, you have done and are doing great things for us, And holy is your name. Bless all we offer you, ourselves, our time, our possession, that through us your grace and favor may be known to all the world. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.
0: Peace on earth sang the angels to the shepherds and every year at Christmas I get a little embarrassed when that's brought up because I look around and there's still so much in our world that's not peaceful. I think the last report I heard there's more than two dozen wars or armed conflicts uh, between nations currently on the planet. But when I think even uh, more deeply about what the word peace really means in the Bible, I even start to feel worse than that. Here's a definition of shalom, which is the word uh, that gets translated peace. This is from Cornelius Plantinga. He said, Shalom is the weathering, weathering and webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. It's what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace. But it means far more than peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. It means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts are fruitfully engaged. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. A rabbi lived about 70 years after Jesus, Akiva, said this, that shalom is everything in creation working together in harmony as God intended. When I look around, I see a lot of things that aren't working together in harmony, and I I get a little embarrassed about proclaiming peace when it seems that there is no peace. But two things help me. One is this. It's God who said that peace was coming. I didn't say it. God is the one who in Jesus was Bringing peace. And so I have to believe that even now God is working and moving to have peace in all of God's creation. And the other thing is this that God proclaimed through the angels peace to the shepherds. And as Natalie told the children about the shepherds, the shepherds uh, were people who didn't have much control in life. They were looked down upon, they were acted upon by uh, villagers in, in their own town and by Roman soldiers. They had very little or no control about the events and the course of events in the world. And yet, God was indicating that peace was possible in their life. So shalom is something not only that God is doing for all of creation, but something that God can even do in our life right now, exactly as it is in the midst of all the disharmony. So I thought about how that might take place, and one thing I thought about is, well, maybe just to experience peace, I need an attitude adjustment. Maybe I need to be more like the Stoics, and and whether things are up or down, and Wall Street, whether things are good or ill for uh, the people in our community, or whether there is outbreak of violence or not, whether people are hungry or not, I just say, I'm not going to let it affect my peace. I'm going to hold on to my peace no matter what. Maybe that's what's required. Or maybe a different kind of attitude adjustment, uh, like the hedonist. Maybe I say it doesn't matter how things are for other people in our community. It doesn't matter whether people are ill or not, whether they're hungry or not, or struggling or not. I need to enjoy this life the best I can as long as I can. But it strikes me that neither of those attitude adjustments really lend to peace in my life. How might peace come? Well, I'm reminded of a very old story about a woman who had lost her husband, and the pain was still so deep and great that finally she went to the shaman, the witch doctor in the village, and she said, I need you to make a potion that will take away this deep pain from my life. And the witch doctor said, I can do that. But first he said, you must bring me, he gave her the name of an herb, he said, you must bring me an herb from a house that knows no pain. Okay. So she set off to find this herb, and and she got to the front door of the first house and, and realized already it was a mistake. Because she could tell by the way the door was decorated that this was a house where people were in mourning. Sure enough, and she knocked on the door, a woman answered, who had also been recently widowed. And was greatly despairing after the loss of her husband. So she went in, comforted the woman, listened to her pain. Helped her begin to kind of straighten out her life and think about how she might take steps forward. She stayed there a few days and then continued on her journey for that herb from the house that knew no pain. She got to the next house and as she knocked on the door, a little boy answered the door. And she could tell by the fact that he had no um, shoes and his clothes were ragged. He looked Gaunt, she knew this was a house of extreme poverty. Sure enough, the children the two who lived there were ill-fed and not well-clothed. So she set off about getting them shoes, getting them clothes, getting them food to last for quite some time and began to work among the the two children in that household. And then finally she was able to move on to the next next house and, and she knocked on the door, but no one answered. Instead, she heard a voice cry out weakly, Let yourself in. I cannot come to the door. So she let herself in. And sure enough, there was an old woman who didn't have strength enough to even get out of her chair. She began to check on the woman's condition. She began to go to neighbors who lived around the woman to help her with some of the uh, basic needs that she had in life that she couldn't tend to herself. And she spent quite some time with that woman and moved on to the next house. But you see where it's going. She went from house to house helping, and soon she forgot about the deep pain in her own life and the peace that she so desperately was seeking. She found. But it strikes me that like this woman, we never find peace by seeking peace for ourselves. We find it as we seek peace for others.
1: I've lived long enough that I should know what happens a week before Christmas. Seven days until Christmas, and I have one child on crutches, another child who was up in the middle of last night sick. Two of my children still have two days of school to go. We have performances to attend and parties to go to. There are crowds in the places where I need to shop. There's traffic on the roads where I need to drive. Seven days until Christmas, I always cry out for mercy. (laughs) The Bible reminds me that this cry for mercy is valid. The Psalms tell me that twice, King David cries out for mercy, and his cry is heard. Mercy is indeed one of God's characteristics. It is a divine attribute. But I have to admit to you, when I am listing the divine characteristics, it falls toward the bottom of my list. Because at the top of my list are things like all-powerful, all-knowing, majestic, perfect. And because God is these things and I am not, well, I put mercy on the list because I'm hoping for mercy. I'm banking on mercy My four-year-old came home this week with a worksheet from his preschool class, and he had written his name in the right place on the paper. He had written all six of the letters carefully and correctly, but he had written those six letters from right to left instead of left to right. And so I cautiously asked him, Daniel, did you know that you wrote your name on this paper backwards? And he said, yeah, mom, I like it that way. It reminds me that many times, theologically, I'm thinking backwards, because I like it that way. It's more convenient for me. You see, the gospel stories are quick to point out that God is merciful. The gospel of Luke opens in the first chapter with words of God's mercy. Both Zachariah and Mary sing of God's mercy when they learn of the divine plan And then as Jesus grows in wisdom and stature, we see that his actions are more often than not filled with kindness and mercy. And we hear that his words are merciful. Give and it will be given to you, he says. Blessed are those who mourn. Your sins are forgiven. But there is one passage in the gospel story that cinches it for me. You can find it in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is teaching his followers in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus says to his followers, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In both Gospels, the same words. But the passage of Jesus' teachings ends two different ways. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says to his followers, "Be merciful, as your heavenly Father is merciful." But in the Gospel of Matthew, he concludes his teaching with the sentence, "Be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect." Could it be true that divine perfection and mercy are one and the same? Greater rabbis than myself have argued as much, and the life and death of my own Messiah depicts as much. Oh, I have never said these two words to my children. I have never said these two words because I'm an oldest child, and I can be pretty hard on myself. And on others, I can be pretty critical. So I've never said these two words to my children because I want for them to make mistakes and to learn from them. I want them to laugh instead of criticize. And I want them to be merciful. So you just might hear me say to my children, Shelly children, be perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect.
0: Revelation tells us that in heaven they sing to God, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I don't know about you, but that word holy makes me a little nervous. I think maybe it's the context in which I've heard it used. I've heard it used in describing people as, especially those who are Christians, as holier than thou. Have you ever met somebody like that? The, the implication is that they have standards uh, for relationship with God and, and for behavior with God in the world, and we need to meet their standards. They remind me of The Simpsons Neighbors, if you've watched The Simpsons cartoon show. Uh, you'll uh, know the neighbors of The Flanders. And uh, one summer, The Flanders were gone for a couple weeks, and when they came back, they asked The Flanders, Where have you been? And they said, We've been to Christian summer camp where we've learned to be more judgmental. Holier than thou. And that's sort of the reputation that all of us get uh, by default. But then sometimes I've heard the word used like this Have you ever heard of people called holy rollers? Uh, those who, who have a practice of their faith and their walk with God, but it seems not to be um, in relation to anybody else's walk. It's kind of they're doing their thing with God, and that's really what matters. And what anybody else thinks or what anybody else's situation just doesn't particularly matter to them. It's just between them and Jesus, and they roll along the holy rollers. Well, i got to tell you, though, that the biblical definition of holy is actually a quite specific and technical definition. The word holy in the Bible is used simply to mean other. Otherness, or, or that which is apart. part. That, it's kind of like which one of these is not like the other. And so one of the things that we say of God is that our God is holy. That our God is not like us at all. And And I don't know, but those of you who know me, that's a pretty good thing. It's a good thing that God doesn't keep score when people neglect God. It's a good thing that God doesn't seek revenge on those who do things God's way. It's a good thing that God's character isn't up and down with the circumstances of the world. God is holy, God's other. That's a good thing. I've heard some people say the miracle of Christmas is that God would come in the form of the baby Jesus to be with the very people who would kill him. God's not like us. God is other. God is constant love and mercy. But there is this. In the commands to Israel, in the book of Leviticus, the 26th chapter, God says, You shall be holy because I am holy. And so we're called to display a sort of otherness in our life as well. And I think a lot of people think that otherness means that they need to gather together in their own schools or or sing their own kind of songs or they all wear a same particular clothing that sets them apart. And maybe so. And maybe so. But my sense of it is that we are to be other the same way that God is other. God is other by remaining who God is even when God is with us. That God's character doesn't change. That God acts the same way in our world as God would always act. In love, and in mercy, and in justice. You see, I think I have a sense of what it is to be holy by thinking about what it's not. to me, to be holy is not to be holier than thou. Because holier than thou people, it seems to me they're, they're way too intentional. And their intention is to fix me. To be in their image have you ever been somebody's project nobody wants to be fixed by somebody else and I think it it separates us from those who are holy rollers because they're not intentional with other people they're just indifferent the only thing that matters is just how tight they and Jesus are and the rest of us can just wallow in our own sin and suffering and struggle is there a way to be in this world that remains in touch with people and yet doesn't take on the character or force a certain character on other people. I think that way of living, I would call invitational. It is to be among people in the world the same way that God is with us. To be in the world and be with others, but to be the way that God made you to be, not trying to force them to be that way. Way, And surprise, surprise, in this invitational way of living, people more often than not change than when we intentionally force them to do so. Have you ever known somebody who changed your life? My guess is the very people who affect our lives the most are the ones who set out least to do so. They didn't try to force us or push us. Or the other hand, avoid us. They simply were who God made them to be while they were with us. Have you ever known somebody who when they came in the room, the room just became a better place? Or somebody, when they said something, you paid a particular attention to what they said. Not because they wanted you to, but simply because of who they were when they were with you. People who affect the world like that, the Bible calls holy.
4: Let's join together our hearts and our voices in the closing prayer. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. Our closing carol is 238, Angels We Have Heard on High. Let us stand.
2: to uh, join with me once more in thanking all of our choir and wonderful musicians for the beautiful music. We have been blessed indeed. As we go from this place, please know that Holy Communion will be offered here at the Chancel Rail following the service. And we hope that you will join us um, out front uh, in the evenings for the live nativity scene. Next Saturday, Christmas Eve, for all of our services. Uh, they're listed in your bulletin and uh, to join us on Christmas morning as we worship together at 10:30. Let us go from this place filled with the peace and joy of Christ, knowing that we go to glorify God, to share His shalom with our world, to honor Him by showing mercy and seeking to be holy. Let us go with this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.